Welcome to Behind the Hype. With me, your host is always Brian Dressel. With me, as always, is Jonathan Hardesty. I'm here. Uh, as I said <laughs> last week, uh, yeah, Chewy is still super fucking tired, and uh, she will not be joining us this week. She will be back next week, uh, and she's excited to do so. But uh, yeah, she she definitely needs her <laughs> rest after working. I think we're at 15 days straight at this point. Oh yeah, she's, yeah. She's she's a little tired. Um, but she'll be back at it next week uh, when we start talking Toho movies, because I'm pretty sure we're going to take at least a few weeks off of coming back to see Ansano after this. Yes, um, yes. I know you you mentioned before like wanting to see, what what is it, Noriko's Dinner Table or something yep. like that. And other a couple other ones you wanted to check out. And I'm sitting over here being like, oh, maybe, maybe Toho. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Um, especially with like as we're getting towards the end of this month. Yeah. And oh. I, like, I'm, I'm talking to Chewy, and she's like, she's like, she's game for it, and she's like, eh, whatever you want. And I feel like you've been kind of like, eh, and I'm like, uh, let's just give it a rest. I do want to, I do want to do an episode on Noriko's dinner table. I want to see where that movie went. I don't want it just to be a part of uh, where they've been doing. So maybe after Toho, we'll do like a special bonus episode of diving back to see Ansano for one week, where we talk about that one movie. Um, but we'll see. Maybe that won't even happen. Who knows? Uh, maybe after. Oh, let's get find a month from- that has like five. Or something. Yeah, they, yeah. We'll we'll figure something out. We'll 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 yeah. return to Noriko's dental table. Don't don't worry. Um, but before <laughs> we do any of that, we should probably talk about the last movie of both his of Sion Sono's hate trilogy and of our month, which is Guilty of Romance. Um, if you've been listening along all month, you'll realize that uh, you'll remember that I have never seen this movie. That I just bought the Blu-ray because I wanted to see it, and then never got around to watching it. And now I have. And man, I did not know what was sitting on my shelf all those years. <laughs> <laughs> it's like finding like a bloody $50 bill in a wallet that you that you pulled out of a box or something. It's like, oh, I didn't know I had this. What is this? Like, good Lord. Why did uh, it happen? Why is there blood on it? <laughs> I, I got to say, I, I, will, I will boldly declare that this is probably... And this goes in the face of a lot of reviews that didn't like it. I think this is the best movie that he's made that we've watched on this show. For this show specifically. For After the Hype. I mean, fucking Why Don't You Play in Hell is still way up there in the stratosphere compared to everything we watched this month. Oh, yeah. But, um, of but the bunch. One, yeah. Of the bunch. I would say this is probably his best made film. I, that said, I don't think I'm ever going back to it. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out a re- review for it on the... Uh, and Letterboxd that I've been using because I try to keep track so I remember at the end of the year what I've watched. Sure, yeah. And um, what happen- What ends up happening is we'll talk about the movie and I'll put it on there and my rating will seem low because on a... Because uh, all a, your ratings are insanely low? I'm, I'm harsh, first of all, so let's get that <laughs> out of the way because uh, two and a half is to me is middle. But, um, but uh, one of the things I do is rate it not just for the technical because technically the movies we've been watching have been great. Yeah. This guy is a great filmmaker, a great vision, great style, but uh, a resonance factor that like I explore like, I, I let the emotional uh, resonance of it dictate some of that. So as it shifts downward, like it's not because it wasn't well made, and especially in this case, it's just that like at the end of it, I didn't necessarily want to talk about it. I was still wanted to mull it over, but I wasn't I wasn't like immediately like immediately like this is great. You know what I mean? It, it's, yeah. 
I'm parsing. I had. I'm still parsing it even today. Yeah, days I, after watching it. And like, I've seen uh, Love Exposure, and now I've seen Guilty of Romance. So I should probably watch Cold Fish at some point, so I can watch the whole trilogy. Uh, but man, these movies—they're—they're they're fucking heavy. And like, in ways that I'm not sure I'm entirely comfortable talking about. Uh, and John and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but I feel like it's fair to mention this movie is so much about a woman's perspective and a woman's life in Japan and what comes with being a wife in Japan that I, I feel like two men sitting around talking about it is <laughs> kind of misguided. And I say that with full knowledge that, uh, yes, a man wrote and directed this. Granted, he did co-write this with a woman. Um so I, I get that men can be involved in this conversation, but th there is something so starkly feminine about this movie while being also incredibly like male gazy. It just, it, it bumped me in a way of like, I'm not sure if I am the right guy to talk about this one. I'm still going to try to do it because we have a podcast and that's what we do, but right. we, we might not dive quite as deep into this one as we do the other films. Right. And this is where the, the essay that we put at the beginning of the month has, for me, really came into play. Yeah. The previous ones, it was like, okay, yes, I can see that. Um, but there's also, he's got, like, for um, Tag, there was that punchline that was, like, kind of a critique. And then uh, Tokyo Tribe had that punchline critique as well. And, like, so, okay, cool, I see that. It's kind of there, but the essay wasn't, we didn't need it as much. As here, I went back to the essay again um, yeah. to read it through and just to kind of examine it because this, I think, is probably... <laughs> to be punny about it, guilty of a lot of the things that you would probably have a problem with. It, it, like, it's one of those movies that like it, it pushes you the whole way. Like you're with it. The first frame is a sex scene. Like it, it starts right out of the gate and you, you don't know who the woman is. You don't know who she's having sex with, but she gets a phone call in the middle. She jumps out of the, the shower, stark naked. She picks it up and it's like the movie, like that's how they chose to open the film. And as the movie goes on, like you find out, like she's cheating on her husband at that moment, and like the inf infidelity in this movie is all over the place. The sexual content, everything, everything is just like to eleven, uh, and and I don't mean that as like a negative critique. I'm just trying to let you know, like the 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 world that is this movie. Um, John, do you think you can do a breakdown, or do you want me to do it really quick of what this thing is? Oh, I can give it a try. Uh, a detective, a uh, professor, a uh, college professor, I think, and then. Um, uh, a housewife essentially and as they all kind of deal with the the pressures of society set on them and those all weave together so the detective is trying to solve this murder of a of a, a prostitute in a cd area they called it what was it the castle and yeah then and then this other the, the housewife she's starting to get bored with her uh married life uh, she's just she serves her husband turns his slippers around and starts to get bored. And, but like, it's like, she's kind of caving in on herself and closing off. And then she awakens into this, um, kind of sexual awakening and becomes a prostitute, which then she meets this, uh, professor who guides her around. And then there's weave throughout the whole movie. Their, their relationship with each other is the main thrust while the detective is just kind of off to the side for a while. But then it's revealed that the, uh, prostitute, is the one who was murdered. So there's kind of like a little bait and switch there. Um, 
because you think it might be the main character first because i was like oh no the 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 shy housewife she's the one. Oh no this is so horrible yeah whole movie that's where i was going and then it was i think it was at the the dinner table i'm like right. oh oh she's gonna die professor is definitely going to die right and and what ends up happening is like you realize what happens and it's like it's not a relief at all it's actually worse like yeah and, and then it ends with probably the darkest punchline um I guess this one has a punchline too, but it ends with the darkest moment of the three of the the, the detective running off, uh, doing exactly the same thing that her uh, detective partner mentioned. Just she's trying to chase the garbage uh, the garbage truck, and she keeps running after it, not because she wants to catch up with it, but she's running from her like her household life, right? Her husband, her family, the responsibility, and then she just doesn't doesn't know where she is, but she's where. The murder happened. Yeah, it just like it wraps it around, and then at the end, <laughs> you just sit in the dark for an hour, like I did, and just like what? Yeah, what? And, like, <laughs> and like all that's over the credits too. Like the credits are rolling. Yeah. Like, like this shit's over, and you're just watching this poor woman run through the street with her, her very literal baggage, uh, that is just bullshit and garbage. Which you know, wow, metaphors on metaphors. Uh, and then like when it ends with her at the place where the murder happened, it's like. Fucking hell, man. (laughs) I I think it's very fair to say that Sion Sano has some issues with how women are treated in Japan. (laughs) Good Lord. Yeah. No, and and I think that's probably the main, like that, what you just said is probably why we're coming into this more cautiously than I think (laughs) others might if they were to jump into this because it's like there's heavy stuff here. And he's 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 a man expressing this from an out like to this perspective he's an outsider but he's passionate about it and trying to explore it you know it's just yeah. it's a very weird even even the movie t- talks to that too like as she sees the place that she doesn't recognize it there's like a an outsider's lens on it not necessarily like not just the male gaze but an outsider's like a man trying to process the bullshit yeah no, you're right. There, there's a ton of that in there. And it's just kind of uh, – I, I think it's handled really well. I, I think all three of the women in the movie do just an absolute phenomenal job. For me, the, the runaway star, though, is the uh, – I should look up her name. Uh, not Mitsuko. It's the the professor. Like, she's so, so good in this movie because she just plays two completely different women who's very aware that she is two different women. She's a very well-known, uh, respectable professor – and then at night, she's not just some prostitute on the street. Like she's a woman who's out there who's telling men that, like, fifty bucks to sleep with me. What? No, thirty bucks. What? Twenty bucks. Like she just doesn't care. And and like the more you learn about her, the more you realize like her motivation behind it. And that that's the sort of stuff that I was talking. Like I don't think I'm gonna dive into because I don't think I can fully speak to it. But it makes more sense. Like you you're not like you're not disgusted by her even though she kind of wants you to be like, she kind of wants everyone to be disgusted by her because at some point I think she's a little disgusted in herself, but also not like this movie. Like there's so many layers to it and and I don't think any of them are done poorly. And that's why like in the beginning of the episode, I was saying, I think this is the best made film, at least that we've watched because everything is firing on every cylinder. And it's, it's a visual like in like, feast and not like a 
in a good way. <laughs> like, it's just right, like, right. Like you just get so much thrown at you throughout the entire movie, and it's like your inhibitions be damned. Like, like anything that made you uncomfortable before, you better fucking get over it before you start watching it, because it's all coming at you very quickly. There's right, everything and it's from- laser focused too. Yeah, like, it, it's laser focused because with the movies we watched before, um, like Tag and uh, Tokyo Tribe, like and. Um, Was that it? Suicide Club. Um, Suicide Club, right. Yeah. Especially Suicide Club, which is, in almost, I think, almost in the opposite direction of this. It's just there to uh, rail and be ang- – like, it's angry. It's an angry film that, like we mentioned before, had some problems. Like, there's a rail yeah. in there. And it's like, it's definitely not doing what this is doing. This is, like, so much more focused, so much more laser, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you got it right with laser focus. Because, like, in this movie, you'll have – Everything from like uh, masturbation, consensual sex, rape, uh, murder where people are cut in half. You have uh, young boys paying women to watch them pee. Like everything is in this movie. Like everything that could possibly be upsetting is in this movie. And they do it in a way where it's like this isn't supposed to be like upsetting or gross to you. This is what's happening and it's a problem. So you have Suicide Club, which is the equivalent of, like, road rage, of people who's like, fuck you. Like, fuck you. And this one would be more of the equivalent of, like, your parents sitting you down and going, I'm disappointed in you. Like, this one cuts so much deeper. <laughs> yeah. And it's you, you, we even got hints of this, like, with the, the man's world in Tag, right? Yeah. Where it's like, okay, this, this is the point where it's like, all right, I'm going to sit you down. <laughs> Captain America over the chair being like, all right. So you've... you've <laughs> So you've, you've done been abusing male, women right? for the entirety of your country. Right, uh, right. <laughs> sorry, I don't mean that. I, that's a little too far, but you get what I'm meaning. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you're right. And, like, uh, it, it's just – it's a lot to take in. And I, I know we keep saying that, but that, that's really the, the only way I can – I feel adequately describe this film is it's a lot to take in. Yeah, and – I think that's been the whole month, especially when I've con- when I've tried to like when I was telling you, trying to convince you to like you know Noriko's table can wait a little bit, but that's because I think compared to any of the other months uh, that we've done, these films, it seems like the pace that we're going, the week pace, the weekly, is almost breakneck uh, in terms of yeah <laughs> uh, sitting with it, and this might be the first time where something uh, a director so flashy requires that you sit and stew in it. Um, and almost forcibly so, because there's you know more like out there directors uh, as a, just as a completely opposite and not even it's I'm reaching here but like for a tree of life where it's mostly you're feeling you're feeling your feelings and just oh it's like a sigh and a uh, just letting your mind wander and poetry and this is uh, critique discipline <laughs> um, admonishment right and, and it's a different different thing to deal with in film and we don't deal with we don't watch enough of it enough films that way not a lot of films ask us to do that no like the there's just not a lot of a not a big american audience for this style of film and to be honest i'm not sure how big the honest audience is in japan the guy makes movies fucking every week so maybe it's large i don't know but but there's like 
I can count on one hand how many movies came out last year that made me feel even remotely as like not I don't want to make this all negative like but like made me feel as much as these four movies have made me just feel things and the only way I can think it would be Promising Young Woman like that one just made me like squirm with just like oh my god this movie's hard to watch but that was just like a, a very different but it's a kind of similar story and and I, I can be impressed by it I can love it and I, I honestly, I really did love this film. And I always say I won't go back. I probably will at some point. I, well, I, and I think thinking of of the of the, I think thinking in terms of the critique of it's hard to watch. It's it's um, insight. It's 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 harsh. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's the like it's a criticism in the way that this means it's bad. Less stars. It's more like it's. It's a way to watch. It's a way to experience a movie. It's a way for it to resonate, and it's supposed to be like it's doing its job well. I guess in my mind, if I'm feeling this way, if I'm feeling indicted, if I'm feeling uncomfortable, and I mean, just from our perspective, as men coming into this perspective, as men coming into this, if that's open our eyes or at least admonish what we're all doing, what he's complicit in, what we're all complicit in. And it's succeeding, like that's that critique of it being biting, being hard to watch, being rough, uncomfortable. That's those are points in its favor, right? I, like, oh, that's yeah. what I would assume. Yeah, a- absolutely. And it's more points in Sionsono's favor. Like the the more I think about him as a director and the films that I've watched of his, which is a good number at this point, like I, there are very few filmmakers that I have as much like just like awe of as I do of this guy right now. Like every one of his movies has hit me like a hammer. And like, that's not something I can say of very many people. Now, granted, like I said, he makes a movie. I I was joking earlier, but he does make a shit ton of movies. He released four feature films in 2015 alone. Like this guy works. Um, so I'm sure there's some out there that, that wouldn't resonate with me quite as much. And maybe I've just been picking the best at a lot, but so far, like every time I sit down for one of his movies, it's like I said, the beginning of the month, you don't know what you're sitting down for. It's definitely something you haven't seen before. And it will affect you at least a little bit. And, Guilty of Romance is such a funny one to finish the month off because I think it hit me the hardest. And I I got more invested in these characters. Uh, I I both loved and hated all three of them. Like, Mm -hmm. like I'm like, no, I I totally like respect and understand where you're coming from, but I also don't like you at all. And I I honestly believe that was kind of the point. There was a, uh, a video essay that both John and I watched. I sent it to him that talks about how like these women, like they're they'd rather be free in the hell of their choosing than caged in some like you know patriarchy bullshit i'm obviously paraphrasing um and the more i thought about that the more i thought about this movie and everything i'm like this movie really worked like when you're when you're looking at the end of the film and mitsuko is just fucking given up she's just a prostitute uh who does not give a shit uh she's offering herself out for 10 20 bucks she's annoying the other prostitutes so like can you just get the fuck out of here um and you're looking at her, and she never looks... I don't want to say she looks sad. She definitely looks sad, but she that freedom thing that the woman was talking about in that video essay, I think is 100% there. And just the the amount of skill of both acting and, uh, and directing it takes to pull this off, where you have this woman who's just... like This would be, at least in, in my Western mind, like the definition of rock bottom. And she looks like she's where she wants to be. Yeah, specifically the, her final shot of just uh, her, I think her nose is bloodied and she's on the ground and she's smiling uh, not just like a, a, a cre- like a, a 
evil grin, not, not exaggerated, but a peaceful one. Satisfied. It's satisfied, yeah. And yeah. especially contrasted to her in the beginning, where she's very uh, timid and head down and very, like, <laughs> she's always kneeling. And she's always, like, her shoulders are always slumped, especially when she's at the deli. So I feel like the beginning, it's just, like, it's the opposite. She's weighted down by... I can only assume, like, the, the culture yeah. that she's fighting against or she's pushing out against and reacting to, and she's free. On the ground, she's still free. And the essay really kind of put a lot of this and the other films in perspective. Yeah. Uh, we'll link that out in our show notes as well because that one was just a – it was a very well-done video essay, and uh, it, it kind of helped frame my mind for this conversation specifically. There there was a scene that, that I, I wanted to bring up. Uh, I wanted to get your take on it because, for me, it was the only moment – that I felt Mitsuko ever seemed like legitimately happy. Um, Cause there's this whole thing between her and her husband. We find out later, like throughout the end of the film, we find out that her husband has been using prostitutes their whole marriage. He's been cheating on her all the fucking time when she was feeling so guilty about cheating on him. Uh, and it turns out not only is he cheating on her, he's cheating on her with the professor. And it's just like, Holy fuck. Um, yeah. And the professor was all 100% aware of it and she was doing it to kind of fuck with her at the same time. It's like, this movie gets really, really, really vicious. Um, but there's a moment right in the beginning where things are just kind of starting to take off. She'd, she's told her husband, like, hey, I'm kind of bored being a housewife. I'm going to go get a job. And that moment, like, you still think he's a good dude because his response is like, oh, good. I thought you'd be so bored around here. I'm glad you're going to do something with your time. Good. I'm proud of you. It's like, okay, okay, maybe he's not the worst guy ever. This isn't, this is looking okay. Uh, but yeah. then she goes and takes the job and she doesn't do very well. She's a little tired or she's a little meek. She doesn't really know how to, like, would you like to try this thing? Would you like to try this thing? Um, right. And then. Would you like to try these sausages? Yeah. Oh, oh that, of course that, it's that, sausages. Yeah, of course it's. It has to be. <laughs> it has to be sausages. Um, but there's, there's this moment where I. Uh, where the it's not the it's not the professor, but some woman who's like a talent agent notices her and tells her how pretty she is and wants her to be a model. And then she goes and does the modeling thing. And then the next day, she's asking people they want sausages, and she's really good at it. And then you see her at home, and she's stark naked in the mirror, and she's practicing. And it's like she's so happy to be who she is. And like I think that like the her being naked in front of the mirror, it's like this total like freeing thing of like. I'm happy with who I am. I'm going to be the best person at my job. Look at how awesome I am. And it's like this one moment of like fleeting joy in the movie that like it, I'm glad it's there, but it also makes the rest of the movie that much harder to watch. Right. Right. And it, 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 it was startling. Like not be, I guess it almost shouldn't be like we, we watched enough movies where it shouldn't be. So a testament to this movie that it, it was, but I gasped and she was doing that in front. Like, like saying, do you want the sausages? Like happily yeah. in in the mirror, and that in that scene, even though she was happy and contented the whole time, like her emotions still changed. It just revved further towards happiness. Like yeah, it got more and more, and and then to see that the movie does this, where the sausages get bigger throughout the movie as she, <laughs> of course, they gains do. <laughs> more of her confidence. Right. So like, there's all this commentary. Like he's he's throwing in this stuff too that is very tonally. Um, turbulent <laughs> yeah it's yeah that scene was very affecting too like i i i was just like hands in my mouth like i'm just like what yeah because like, what is what is this saying and like 
Well, it's just trying weird to, to be it. like sitting here uh, in my apartment in Burbank, California. It's like I'm watching a movie about these horrifying things, and then suddenly there's a naked woman in a mirror talking about sausages, and it's like this is the most joyful scene in the movie. <laughs> it's like what is happening? Right. Yeah, and and it's probably one of the like one of the main scenes. Well, one of the only scenes that is shot fairly standard. It's just a, like a slow zoom in. I think. Yeah. I don't. Re- I don't recall it being very uh, flashy compared to the rest of the movie, which is so in your face about this. That this is like the mo- most subdued moment, despite being the most stark. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It's a really good moment, and like the, the, the whole movie is full of good things, and then still at the end of it, you're just like, "Fuck! I don't want to watch that again." <laughs> <laughs> no, and like I mean, it, I can only assume that. Is another reason in the list of reasons why it's part of the hate trilogy, right? Yeah. Like I said, I gotta watch Cold Fish. I've heard that that one's like the the hardest to watch, which is why I've always kind of put that one off. Which says something when one of them is a four and a half hour movie about a kid who shoots up girls' skirts with a camera. Um, but that movie is actually surprisingly great. That one doesn't even end up depressing. I, <laughs> I did not even know that about that movie. I, I knew nothing about it other than uh, a rep theater that I would attend years ago they were really into this movie because it had just come out and it was like they're i was like okay what is this about they're carrying a cross on the uh, promotional material and then no th- during this month i read the synopsis i'm like upskirt shots yeah uh, what? The, <laughs> the short pitch for that movie uh is there is a boy who uh has two loving parents and his mom dies very sad uh the Dad, the dad becomes a priest and becomes totally obsessed with God and not with his son. Totally ignores his son. His son realizes that his father priest will only pay attention to him when he sins. He has to come and tell him how much of a sinner he is and what a bad person oh. he is. So the kid just goes, fuck it. I'm going to do all the sinning and I can just to get his dad's attention. And he becomes a upskirt shooter uh, for people on the street. Oh, wow. Movie okay. is heavy. <laughs> God. Uh, okay, yeah. So like, yeah, I get, I get what the, what's going on with the trilogy, and yeah, I can only assume the other one, which I've read nothing about, is probably worse. <laughs> I've heard that one's hard to watch, and that's made me like when people say this one's hard to watch, and I, I, no one ever warned me about Guilty of Romance or Love Exposure or any of the other ones, but they've warned me about Cold Fish. I'm like, good lord. I'm like cautiously curious but also at the same time like a little horrified <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's i think ultimately as it gets as we round this out is probably good to have movies like this thrown into the repertoire uh, like into our lineup our routine um to shake it up a bit yeah uh, and <laughs> as we're getting into the end of it and wrapping it up it's like i appreciate that uh, i think the films that are hard to watch I don't watch nearly enough of them and to have those thrown in just really kind of is a jumping into the cold lake, you know, Lake Michigan or whatever. Right. It's just like, Oh, Oh, okay. There are serious issues and they can be communicated in a very jarring way. And there's something to be said in like a, in a very Scorsese way of like, I love the MCU. Don't get me wrong, but the MCU isn't here to challenge you. Uh, they're not here to like push your boundaries, make you think about things. They're here to entertain, and they do it better than anyone. Um, they do tell some challenging stories, but nothing compared to this. Like, and, and that's well, kind of right. true and for a lot of our 
a lot of our films. Like that, that's why I brought up Promising a Woman because that was the first time in a long time where I'm like, this movie has something to say and it's going to say it damn well. Uh, and, and that's kind of how I felt about the majority of Sion Sono's films that we've watched. They might not say it as like strongly as Promising Young Woman did it, but they said it in their own way just as strongly. But, you know, <laughs> well, right, dick right. jokes and rapping. No. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's very interesting to watch this during this time because, <laughs> of course, I can understand why the uh, popcorny thing is important now because people want to want escapism and a little bit more of a mindless flight and nothing wrong with it. No. But – but as we get to the end of this and start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, that's a bad way to put it, but see the <laughs> end of it in the distance and start seeing like hope for the future as things getting back to normal. It's like now our minds are needing some challenge, some like the pendulum starting to swing back in terms of, I, at least I feel that way. I feel like I need more. Yeah. Uh, I, I was talking to with Jandy about this, not necessarily about guilty of romance, but in general that I'm starting to be attracted to more resonant films versus fun and uh, adventurous. Like something, I need something to hit me. Yeah. Well, you got that through <laughs> the entire it, month of February with you on Sono. <laughs> right, right. So now I need to get some ice packs and just take a break. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. It's like yeah. now that you've kind of, we've had our fill of just safety. It's kind of like, well, let's step outside a little bit and get this extra perspective. I don't know. It's, it's been interesting watching this series of movies now. Yeah, it's like to go uh, totally opposite, but, you know, in the same vein, it's like when we finally all sat down to watch the Lego Batman movie, we all went, <laughs> oh, shit, Batman movies can be fun. We kind of forgot. And then after yeah. all of the movies we've gotten recently and watching a month of Sion Sono films, like, oh, yeah, movies can be heavy and hard hitting and have something to say and be ridiculous at the same time. Movies can be so much more than the same thing that we've been watching over and over for the past five years. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah. And yeah, and granted, I am very aware of how weird it is to refer to <laughs> this month as refreshing. But when you see these, I think you would get the you would understand because it's it's a different way to watch movies. It's a and, it and forces it's, you to look inward. Yeah, it's a different way to watch movies. It's definitely a different culture than what we're used to. But, but it also kind of reminds you of how fucking powerful movies can be. Because I think here in, in America and a lot of like Western culture, the power of movies has slowly but surely been shifting to TV for the past like 10 years. Where if you mm -hmm. want that heavy hitting stuff, it's all on TV where they're going to take their time. They're going to tell you that story over 10 to 20 hours. Whereas the movies have all, all kind of been leaning a little bit more towards joy and fun. Now, obviously, I'm painting with a very broad brush here, but... But then watching these, it's like, oh, wow, these are doing – well, obviously not guilty of romance. But some of the ones that we watch, like, oh, these are doing both. Like, Tag is clearly doing both. It's a ridiculous, crazy horror film that says men need to stop using women as objects. It's like, ooh, I didn't think those two flavors of ice cream would go together at all. Well, right. And then, and then from our Western perspective, given how there's also our video game culture that gets challenged in that too, it's like, oh, I'm then going to watch a, a – um, you know, a press thing where they reveal the latest games that are flashy and sexy and and how you read that booth babes are still a thing and you're just like, oh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I have a movie for you guys to watch. <laughs> Please right. take it the right way. And now that I said that, I'm convinced they wouldn't. <laughs> well, right, right. But it, it is very interesting. Like movies that can do this, that can force you to – 
actually stop and pay attention to the pop culture that you're engaging in and even compare it. Like we're, we're like we said at the beginning of this, we're trying not to ascribe stuff that we're not trying to talk out of our depth by delving into cultural stuff we don't understand necessarily, or even um, women's issues and feminism and things like that, that for this movie, the lens of that, we're not quite the people who should be talking about it, but we can speak about what we're noticing that this movie's making us notice. Yeah, for sure. Like, like, like even now that I think uh, now that I extrapolate the whole gaming thing with tag and then just these punchlines and, and inferiority complex and men and just how the essay we read at the beginning of the month was like, women are uh, hungry for sex and men are hungry for control. Like I, I misquoted horribly, but the gist was there. Like, yeah, what an, what a way to force us to really re-examine the stuff we're just piping into our brains from the TV and the web, like yeah. continually. And, and I can, I can say, I, I personally do not know of a director uh, other than him who's actually attacking these plot lines as heavily as he has throughout his entire career. Maybe not entire career. I haven't looked at any of his early stuff, but at least the career that we've been studying. Well, yeah, and I would immediately, like, with a movie like Tag, specifically call to attention any um, interview with people from Rockstar who are like, we're tackling toxic masculinity with GTA five. We're going to, it's really biting and in, in, indicting and, and you play it and you're like, no. And check is. out this strip club. It's like, um, right. Um, <laughs> and then you see something like Sion Sono who gets it almost immediately and can tell that and indict you in less time. Yeah. Whereas like, Oh, you guys just needed an excuse to have bad men be exploitative for your game. And yeah, I know you get called out on it with this. So then to come to this, like, yeah, our perspective gets called into question and we're forced to examine it. And yeah, we, we, maybe we can't speak to it completely, but I do feel like I need to learn from it and uh, yeah, research I- more and, and delve into something that, territory i'm not familiar with 100 percent. yeah I, I feel like this month checked me pretty hard and uh and i mean that in a good way like like i i probably needed it it's like this thing made me think about this entire month has made me think about a lot of things more than i thought it would have when i said i want to do a sano i'm like it'll be a fun month these movies are crazy and they were and it was but uh it was also a very heavy month well right it, it's <laughs> it's almost the probably the best kind of bait and switch where we um uh, why don't you play in hell where some of those yeah. issues were just kind of bubbling under the surface, but it was like a demo, right? Where like, here's, here's some of the fun stuff. And then you get into the issues in full force. And you're like, Oh, this wasn't the demo at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> where we got, we got a really light. It's weird to call it. Why don't you play in hell light? But it is very light, very flighty and funny and comedic and darkly comedic, but very up there. <laughs> it's upper. It's easier. To then be switched with this, where you're like, oh, I got you. Now listen here, <laughs> you son of a bitch. And now after like, spending a whole month with this, I really want to go back and rewatch that movie. Like after diving oh. into those other films, I, I feel like we have to go back to Why Don't You Play in Hell. Yeah, and I, I can even pinpoint where I, I think things will change for me is the whole um, daughter plot line. Yeah. The... the-, the Oh, what was it? Because she, she was a, she sang something too, right? And then her mother and father were trying to. Yeah, she was in a uh, she was in a toothbrush commercial or a toothpaste commercial. Yeah, a toothbrush commercial. Oh yeah, okay. 
because clean teeth, purity. Okay, yeah. Yep. So yeah, this, these movies are giving me a new key, a, a new like spinny wheel key to like watch that movie again. Yeah, I, I definitely need to go back to that one. Something that we didn't really touch on a whole bunch through this month, but the uh, the essay in the beginning of the month kind of did, and I want to just give it its due diligence here is that the women in all of these movies that we watch all have very similar names or the same name, which is why sometimes I have a harder time referring to the character unless I'm looking at the cast list for this month specifically. And I think that's by choice too, because there's times where you just use the a character name because that's the one you like. I looked into but, this. It is by choice. Mutsuko is the first woman that Sion Sono ever fell in love with in like uh, the equivalent of like first grade for us. She was the best girl to him. So he's named the main character of all of his movies after her. Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah, because the Mitsuko one stood out to me. But there was also, like, I think Izumi was also in Tag. Yeah, Izumi. That was, uh, there's a story behind that one, too, but I don't remember that one. Um, this is going to be really tough for this episode, but, but we're going to do the best we can. Uh, we're going to move into favorite moments. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if we can even do that for this film, I, I want to try. Um, yeah, I, and then I, and then I have to go, don't I? Um, fuck. I'm just going to go with what I talked about earlier and I'm going to stick with the, the, her talking in, in the mirror. Uh, just cause it's like the only happy moment in the movie. And, and I was kind of torn between that one. And when she sits down with Mitsuko to talk about, uh, when they talk on the bench, uh, after she goes to see her speech, like that's a really good scene where she's like, uh, she recites the poem to her and tries to get her to understand and she's not quite getting there. It's a very sweet moment. It's a very good moment. But for me, it's just that that scene in the mirror, she just fucking sells it and it's such a good moment. And uh, I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Uh, the one I'm going to, the one I'm going to go with is kind of, I think it's after that, as she's gaining her confidence and as the professor um, gets her onto this idea of um, if you don't love the person and they want sex, charge them. And so then there's a whole like montage of her asking for money for sex and just everyone's reaction, all the guys' reactions to it were very fascinating to watch. Oh man, and, especially when she comes across men that she slept with before she came up with that, like the the random guy in the grocery store or uh, the the fellow porn star that she's like, she does a little bit of porn in the movie. And like the first yeah. time they head off to a hotel afterwards and it's like, that was a lot of fun on camera. Let's do it off camera. And then afterwards she's like, let's do that again. And she's like, fuck you, pay me. <laughs> right. And and it was very interesting to see the dynamic shift almost immediately. And even I think the one connection point that like as a Western audience is like kind of this mm, judgment. And I could see it in their faces, too, because it was like, oh, yeah, oh, you're a prostitute then. Like as if it was like a completely different thing other than just like, I don't love you. This is this is going to be work. So, let, you know, pay me. Yeah. Let's Instead have meaningless kind of... sex. It's going to cost you money. You're disgusting. It's like, Wow. And it's no accident that yeah that they in the montage there were people that she already slept with like you said yep it was very it was a very fascinating scene and it, for me it would be resonant <laughs> I would say instead of like favorite because it stood it stood out and hit me pretty hard yeah yeah I uh, the other one I was gonna go with just because it is just a great scene is that where they introduce Izumi to uh, to the mother that whole oh. my God. I've we never seen a scene where someone just completely <laughs> verbally, like, just, well, abuse. 
Oh my god. Like Verbal abuse, scene. but like in third person. Like she, it was so heavy. And we didn't but, really talk about the pimp at all, but he's there too and he's loving every second of it. Fucking hate hate him. Um so I, I really wasn't too oh, upset from, at the end when he hang, hanged himself, but you know. My god. Right. Uh, but also no accident that he's wearing white with a bowler cap. Oh, right. Yeah. Nope. That was uh this guy was designed. Uh Yeah. <laughs> So you ready for this? Double features. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, mine's not hard. I, I, I can go for it because I've already ta- I've mentioned it like a hundred times. It's Promising a Woman. Okay. Th- these are two very different cultures talking about very significant problems with women uh, and talking about them very differently. But uh, you'd have a very educational evening. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. That seems to be like the best one. The best comparison, yeah, based off of what you've said. Um, hmm. I think, given the shock factor of it, and the way that the filmmaker has been shocking, and that this is more like sit down and like, hey, you like pay attention. I might put this uh, after like in a double feature with Love from Gaspar No, and then have this be the last one. Because I don't think Gaspar Noe does anything to that to level of nuance and like real biting that maybe he thinks he does. Oh, he but I think it would also, <laughs> yeah. But he thinks he does, and that would be the the the, the two sided coin there. Like someone who thinks he does, and it deals with the dynamic uh, between the, a man and a woman throughout the whole movie and obsession and control and sexual liberation. But then this is actually the smart one, the guilty of romance, or this is the better one. So like, kind of a two sides of the coin sort of thing. I can see that. You, you did definitely tap into one of those directors where I'm like, I've realized you're not for me. <laughs> like, well, right. <laughs> you yeah. just don't make anything and, and it's, I want to see. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. is like you would, at a film festival, you would see maybe these two filmmakers on the same docket. And it's deceiving because yeah. I think Cian Sono is probably far the better filmmaker. The, um, the more interested in... Um, introspection retro like looking inward and demanding addressing problems yeah right whereas one is more titillating one thinks that they're doing this thing and yeah i think the contrast would be valuable yeah i could definitely see that i I, i'm not going to do it but i could definitely see what you're (laughs) talking about i Uh, continue my tradition of having double features you probably wouldn't want to yeah, watch <laughs> more double features that I, I I'm not going anywhere near, um, <laughs> but they're there. Uh, oh boy! So uh, with that, I think we we can pretty much say we're done with Sion Sono for now, and and I mean that with a big heavy, just like all of his movies. For now, there are I'm definitely going to watch Cold Fish. I'm definitely going to watch In the Land of Hope, and I'm definitely going to watch uh, Noriko's Dinner Table. If we can find a fourth, we might have to do a sequel month for Sion Sono, which will be a very brutal month, but it might be worth our while. And just throwing it out there, not saying when, if, or maybe, he did just direct one of his first Western films, and it stars Nicolas Cage. So I feel like we might have to do a sequel month at some point. I'm just saying. Yeah, we probably will. And then maybe we can like make good on it just being the two of us. Like, Yeah. Not just the two of us. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll make sure that Chewy can be a little bit more available. Maybe we'll get some special guests in that month. But I feel like I feel like we need to return to Sion Sono. Like I, I don't I don't think we're quite done with him yet. 
Uh, but we're definitely going to have to take a bit of a break. Um, and this is where we usually do like a wrap up on them. But like, I just don't think there's really much to wrap up. I think most of this episode kind of turned into a wrap up on them because we didn't want to go too deep into it. Um, but the, all I'll say as far as a wrap up goes is this guy went from a director that I'm incredibly interested in into, and I don't want to throw big words out there or make too bold of claims, but possibly my favorite filmmaker, like he might be in that camp now. And that says <laughs> something. Cause like I, I would, I'm so impressed by his work and the, the way that he's able to get these horrifying things in front of an audience and do so with like, like zero grace, like all sledgehammer and just like throwing shit in your face but still does it very, very well. And I think that's just absolutely incredible. And I, I, I'm hungry for more while knowing I need to take a break. Right, right. And yeah, no, it's, it's a, a great way to put it. And a great thing to have in a, a filmmaker, I guess, is a, a more of a tumultuous relationship that you can't wait to explore more of. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I can't wait to dive back in, but I absolutely can and I'm going to. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, maybe at some point later on in this year, we'll 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 return to the Sion Sano, but but for right, right, staying yeah, no, in the same be... country, but uh, different filmmakers. <laughs> right, and and arguably a lot uh, fluffier <laughs> content. Weirdly enough, <laughs> I mean, well, we're not going to watch the first one, which is probably the heaviest out of all of them, and we're also not going to watch Shin Godzilla because we've already recorded, we've already rec- uh, reviewed that one. So those right. are, from at least from my knowledge, the two like heavy hitters. So next month should be a little bit lighter. <laughs> yeah, we're hoping, and of course it would be starting off with uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, which I was hesitant to do. I know I mentioned a while back, uh, but it just feels right. I-, I think that's the right place to start. Like w- the reason that we're doing a Toho month is the upcoming Godzilla versus Kong. So why not start where it all started? Right. right? I agree. It it, it works. Just, and I'm excited to delve into the this month of, well, I've had experience with the the heavier Godzilla. So like, the 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 other Godzillas have missed me. Like I've known they existed, but never had access to them. Uh, they were never at like the rental stores, and never really had people around me who were interested in them. So it was like kind of a no osmosis either. But I had the heavy hitting ones from film school and all that. So like I have a different, very different view of Godzilla. And I'm excited to get into this month where I can see the softer side of the um, the big old monster there. Oh, we'll, we'll give you the whole month at the end of next week when Chewie's back. Um, but I, I can guarantee you she's going to pick Son of Godzilla. I could be wrong. I don't want to put any money down on it. But she's probably going to pick Son of Godzilla. And if you haven't seen Proud Papa Godzilla, you haven't seen anything. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a doozy. I. Uh, Baby Godzilla can kind of blow bubbles, and he makes a really funny noise when he does it. It's like, Hwah! it's it's going to be a movie. <laughs> it does not pair well what, with what Guilty a... of Romance. <laughs> no, I'm, I feel like I'm going to have to brace myself, like uh, for the whiplash that's coming at me here soon. <laughs> hey, we're 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 taking it slow. It's like we're quitting smoking. We're doing the patch. We're staying in Japan. We're just changing the tone of movies. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> Okay, so uh, I think it's time for some plugs. Ready for some plugs? 
Yeah. All right, here come the plugs. Uh, for me, uh, you know, uh, there's always this show behind the hype uh, and everything at the ATH Network, including such wonderful shows as Damage Boost, where Brock has been crushing it lately. And then we have Binge Buddies, which is wrapping up our month on Alice in Zombieland. And we really haven't come up with what's coming next, but we have decided that we will do something next. So, you know, there's still more of that coming. Uh, and then over at our good friend shows, the Front Row Network, uh, they had me come over and help them do a nice little interview with Mr. Philip Kennedy Johnson. And you're going, who is that? And I'm going, fuck you. You should know who he is. Uh, He is the new head writer for the Superman comic. And I am so excited that I got to talk to him. He's the coolest fucking dude. He does more work than I don't know anyone who can do so much work. That didn't make sense at all. (laughs) But he, like... He has like five jobs on top of writing two comic books that are ongoing. Like this guy is a fucking awesome dude. And it was a really fun interview. Uh, so big thanks to the front row for inviting me over to do that. Cause that was like, I was like a boy at Christmas that I had to stop myself from just going, I love you. Uh, and I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> so uh, I'm really proud of myself. I didn't do that there. And hopefully he'll never listen to this and find out my true feelings for him. Uh, but please go check that out at the front row. It was so much fun. And that should come out the same day that the Superman comic comes out, which I believe is a week from this upcoming Tuesday. So be sure to oh, check cool. that out. Uh, John, what you plugging? Demon Days. Uh, by the time you are listening to this, another episode will be out. Uh, we're not quite to the um, full weekly as I had hoped just because of uh, film schedule. People actually work <laughs> on set and deal with that sort of thing so it's been a beast to schedule but that is very uh, stereotypical of a dnd thing in general so trying to work over people's jobs as adults is uh, a pain in the keister but it but, makes it more real now the audience feels like they're part of your like your tabletop crew it's like oh yeah we're gonna watch another no no we can't because fucking bill has to go to work <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so there will be an episode out this week but we're, we're still on the um bi-weekly schedule for now and i'll have to change out the intro <laughs> each week until i uh until we get it right <laughs> well oh now the next week will be it no nope and the week after that it's fine we'll, we'll intros get there. are meant to be changed but yeah we'll get there the audience has not really dipped so i'm guessing they're still enjoying it even a bi-weekly wait so you know right and, uh, and if you haven't listened though we'll give you a hint we uh there is a going to be a, a grotesque mutated flower that consumes undead flesh that uh, that the players encounter. Did so, you did you name it Audrey too? No, but I made a lot of Audrey Two jokes. Unsubscribe. <laughs> Unsubscribe. I made a lot of Audrey Two jokes. Though. Well, at least there's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I think uh, Tony sang uh, suddenly Seymour. Oh, well, actually, the other the all the players sang in unison. I don't know if we caught it on on before we started recording, but yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you did because that's you know. He's standing yeah. beside you. Seymour's your man. Right. Uh, wow. So we're all just a bunch of musical theater nerds. Who knew? <laughs> all right. I think that's it for now. Uh, so be sure to turn in next Thursday when we release Godzilla versus King Kong. And, uh, and things will be a little bit happier over at the BTH network. <laughs> no more. Yeah. Than, we, need, we need a little bit of a break. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you next week. Bye.